Well, glory to God. Hallelujah. So good to see you. I'm so glad you came out. My aunt and uncle are here. So good to see you guys. <clears throat> I won't make, mention your name so you don't get in trouble. No, I'm just kidding. Praise the Lord. But uh, glory to God. God is good. Amen. My son made it. He, did, he wasn't sure if he was going to make it. But, you know, that's why we do it the way we do. Because, you know, people are getting out of work and stuff like that. And some people are getting out late. And that, there's nothing wrong with that. We just we just come together, you know, pick up where we left off or, or you know, start fresh or whatever. Amen. Praise the Lord. But I got, you know, I got, I still, you know, I was just, I was telling my wife today, I was like, uh, can you guess where I was when I figured this out? Yeah, I was in the shower and I was, I, I was, I was getting cleaned up for service and I was, I was like, all of a sudden I said, I think I just processed something that I was trying to, to get on the trip. Praise the Lord. And so, you know, this, you, you know, with, as it is with God, one of the things I've learned is that you don't get everything all up, up front. Now, you get the promise, right? You get the promise of his goodness. You get the promise of his love. You get the promise of the spirit. You get the promise of his direction. But you don't always have all, all of the fullness of that all up front. But uh, as I've learned, uh, you know, I've said things that I've been pretty sure about and I've been premature on saying it because I, I still have life to live and I got more to learn. You know, as I, I, I'm getting through my 40s, I'm learning that I didn't know much about in my 30s. And, and even in my early 40s, I didn't know much. I'm looking forward to my 50s because I can find out all the things I didn't know now. Amen. And, and then the 60s, I'll find out what I didn't know in my 50s. And if, you know, Jesus tarries and we'll go on, uh, praise the Lord, further from there. But uh, I, I'm so thankful for uh, progressive understanding. You know, the word of God is good. The word of God is true. We can stand on it. We can be sure of it. And even, and this is the wonderful thing about God is even if we don't have it perfect today, yeah. don't you know, not, none of us got it perfect. None of us are going to get it perfect. But even if we don't have it perfect today, Glory to God. God can still do something right. if our hearts are humble and open to him. And that's, that's what I endeavor to do is just get my heart right before the Lord. And that's a work in progress. Hallelujah. God is working on me. Uh, moment to moment sometimes uh, to just, just to get me over into that place uh, of being humble enough to receive something from him. Amen. And uh, it wouldn't be humble of me to say that I've got there yet, so I can't claim that, but, uh, but, but we are working on it. Amen. We're hungry for it. Praise the Lord. And I hope you are too. I believe you are. You know, I'm just so thankful for this church family that we have here. Um, this, this is, you know, this, the Mayville Church and the Cory Church are the greatest, uh, the greatest churches, uh, not because uh, we we pastor them, but because uh, just God's goodness and the people that he's connected us to, it's just, it's just so precious. Uh, uh, you know, I'm so thankful for like-minded and hungry people. Um, you know, people that honestly, you know, in these past nine years of pastoring, God has taught me so much about, uh, about him through this, this process. And so, you know, it's a wonderful thing. I'm always open to learning and, and I'm excited for it. Glory to God. But, uh, you know, if you were here on Sunday or if you listen to Sunday or if you didn't, I talked about this Sunday, so you can just take my word for it or you can listen to it. But, uh, you know, we're kind of we're, we're kind of in a new flow in these in, in, in our, our churches, specifically Mayville and Corey, uh, kind of a, a new, uh, I, I, I will say a blossoming direction. Hallelujah. Um, and, and I'm not, you know, I'm not throwing away foundations or anything like that, but I'm building on the house the way the Lord lead us to build. And. Um, there's a lot to that. There's a lot in that. 
But this, this, this trip that I recently took is, is, but you know, I went on one last year. Uh, last year we went to Norway, Sweden, and Finland. This year I went to uh, Germany, Denmark, and Latvia. And we were in all these Baltic states, really, is what they're on the Baltic Sea there. And uh, they're very similar in a lot of things. They're different in a lot of things. Uh, but there's a lot of similarities. And it wasn't really necessarily planned. If you remember back, we were, I was originally supposed to go to uh, Turkey and uh, Greece. And I had a, a, a mini vision, I guess, if you want to call it that, where uh, I, I just couldn't get peace on going to Turkey. Um, when I was on this trip, I learned why that was. Amen? And so it wasn't Greece that was so much an issue. I wouldn't have had an issue there. But Turkey would have been a problem. And, 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 um, and, and there's a lot of reasons for that. But uh, thank God that uh, for the Holy Spirit, because he keeps us out of trouble. Amen. Keeps us safe. Glory to God. And, and we need to learn to trust that. Amen. Praise the Lord. So I have no, so na no name for the message. I don't even have a real direction. I have some stuff written down, and, and we'll see how much of it we get into. Uh, but th the first thing I wanted to do was I wanted to read this excerpt from this book. I hope you don't mind. I'm going to try to read. I'm not uh, the world's greatest reader. Um, but uh, there's uh, some, this book uh, is the one that I'm, we're, we're going to, my wife was talking about during announcements. It's called Gift and Giver. And this is by, this guy is a scholar. His name is uh, Craig Keener. He's alive today. Um, he's, he's just an awesome man of God. Uh, very, very, very knowledgeable in the word. And, and uh, what I love about him is he is a scholar. Uh, I believe a Greek scholar. Um, uh, he's, he teaches, actually he teaches at uh, Asbury College where the revival just was. Uh, not that, you know, he necessarily, but he has his own, you know, his own, if, if you looked into any of the doctrine, I'm, I, I don't know as though it's, you know, he's a part of all the doctrine or whatever, uh, but he's part of that college, but, uh, or he, he's a professor down there, but he, uh, he's a speaker. Uh, I actually get, a, I, I think I'm going to get a chance to actually go listen to him this year, and I'm excited about that. But uh, what, the thing that I love about him is that he is a scholar. He knows this stuff. He knows the Bible. Uh, he knows the, the languages, but... He's also uh, what we would call spirit-filled, amen? Now we know, I, I don't like using that term because I do believe that all Christians, if you're born again, you're spirit-filled. You got all the Holy Spirit you're gonna ever get, amen? That's what the Bible teaches. And uh, you know, that's, that's an exciting thing. But there is a work that the Holy Spirit does in us. There are works that he does in us and those uh, certainly are, 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 um, are, are more than just, uh, you know, salvation yeah it's gifts and all the wonderful things that that come out of that but this man is a humble man of God uh, and uh, I just so appreciate it and this book I, I'm not even all the way through it yet but it is really really blessing me and so I figured I would share it with y'all um, but there's this one part in here that really um, stood out to me and and, and it it correlates with this trip. And I can't guarantee you guys on, on time tonight. I, I don't know what we're going to do because I want to get into some questions too at the end. Uh, but uh, so I'm going to try to get through some stuff here. Uh, but we're not having other Tuesday services. So I'm going to so if you have to get to the point where you're like, I just got to go, nobody's going to judge you. Just just go out the back quietly and uh, uh, shout if you want, but then people might judge you. So if you so if you want to, if you don't want anyone to judge you, just go quietly and, and, and people assume you got something you got to get to. Amen. 
Um, but the, this, this, this chapter here is called, the, or, or in this, in this the section of the chapter is called The Urgency of Spiritual Renewal in the Church. Amen. Uh, and it says, he said here, uh, yes, the, the revivals of Acts 2 and 4 challenge not only North American Christians' enlightenment, anti-supernaturalism, -super, uh, uh, our, our, cultural, our culture skeptics uh, about miracles, but also our, our materialism. Do Jesus and the needs of his people matter to us more than anything else? It's a very important statement, very profound statement. Do Jesus and the needs of his people matter to us more than anything else? The issue is not aestheticism, as if possessions were bad, but priorities and sacrifice. I will return to an example uh, to the example of Acts 2 at the end of this chapter, but in the meantime, several contrasts between the early church and North American Christianity may offer some, some perspective. Here I will employ cynicism, as biblical writers sometimes do, to drive home the point of how, uh, how, how uh, inattentive we uh, often are to eternal matters. My language may be strong, but I do not think it, uh, it even reflects fully the tragic waste of resources God has given us in the face of a lost world's need. Um, early Christian forms of self-sacrifice sometimes could border on asceticism, uh, which is not the, what, what I am recommending for today. At the same time, however, the zeal of such as I, I can't even say this word, I think so. To sacrifice for Christ, you got to remember, I dropped out of high school, so I, you know, you know, we get, we didn't get into the big words. I, I dropped out before that, but uh, uh, to sacrifice for Christ puts uh, puts to shame our frequent unwillingness to inconvenience ourselves. And then he gives these points: entertainment. Second-century Christians refused to go to the amphitheaters with non-Christian neighbors to watch people get butchered or mauled by gladiators or animals. Stewardship. Early Christians sacrificed their resources to care for the poor so much that upper-class pagans mocked them for their lack of discernment. Meanwhile, the church was converting the poor for the empire who saw the Christians, uh, who saw the Christians' love for them. Later, Anthony heard Jesus' works in the Gospels to forsake everything and committed himself to follow this command literally. Evangelism. While Christians often laid their lives on the line and sometimes died for their witness. Um, justice ministry. Some members of the early church bought slaves, empowered them with skills, and then freed them. That's pretty amazing. You know, I was re this one man, um, uh, his, I think his name was Count, Count von Zinzendorf. I think is his name. And he actually, he was very, he was wealthy. He was born into royalty and all that. And he actually, some of the people that followed him, uh, he ended up, when he died, he died completely poor because he had give, given everything he had away uh, for the work of the gospel. But some of the people that followed him actually went as far to, they saw that there was need uh, of, of, of salvation for slaves because they weren't getting the gospel preached to them. So some of his followers actually sold themselves into slavery just so they could get people saved. That's amazing. I mean, that's it just, you know, <laughs> praise the Lord. Traditional spiritual disciplines. Christians valued prayer, learning the Bible, and fasting. Some later monastic uh, Christians spent most of each day pursuing these disciplines. Modern Western Christians, on the other hand, reflect a different 
uh, repertoire uh, of cultural values. Entertainment, instead of going to the amphitheaters to uh, entertain ourselves with other people suffering, we bring such entertainment into our living rooms via television and videos. We claim we watch such movies and programs only to relax, and that even though we spend hours watching violence or sexual immorality, we do not actually enjoy it. Certainly, we insist we do not enjoy our hours of daily television as much as we enjoy studying our Bibles, though we rarely pick up the latter. Stewardship. The average North American Christian ties 2.5% of his or her income. We may, of course, exp uh, explain that given the strength of the U.S. economy, our 2.5% goes farther than Anthony's 100%. Evangelism, remember this is, there's some cynicism in here, right? Evangelism, we try to be at least as nice as non-Christians so that if anyone discovers we are Christians, we will not uh, have been a bad witness in case that person ever figures out what Christians believe and decides to become one. Ouch. Justice ministry, whenever, whenever we experience unresolvable conflicts with other Christians, we sue them. Traditional spiritual disciplines. We pray before meals and with such great faith that we can do so concisely. We have more, uh, more Bibles than the early church did, but after five hours of TV, we may have not had much time to read them. Occasionally, however, we meditate on ideas that are biblical and quote Bible verses, even if they are out of context. We fast between meals, at least when we are on a diet program, to lose the weight we acquired by consuming resources that could better have been served uh, uh, children in famine-stricken parts of the world. Happily, we do feed the homeless in our, our country on Thanksgiving and Christmas, which we assume should tide them over for the rest of the year. Christians who have made their peace with social Darwinism may further take comfort in the idea that starvation could be God's way of weeding out people and nations less fit for survival. Wow. Yeah. Um, and I don't know what this says, but I have it highlighted and starred, so I'm going to read it. I have talked with Christians from other parts of the world who barely escaped death and saw unarmed Christian friends and family members butchered. In many cases, these Christians were more faithful witnesses for Christ than, than are most North American Christians. If suffering should come to our nation, are we ready for the test? And if not, are we, are we uh, willing to begin preparing ourselves and our fellow Christians in advance? Now, I did want to read that part, and I'm glad that I did, because one of, one of the major things that I saw over there is uh, this time is, is the danger that we're in as Americans. And, uh, and, and I'll explain that as I go more, but it's, it's something that we need, that we need to change. Um, and, and, and I also, and if I don't get back on this, remind me, um, I asked the Lord, I was like, Lord, what, what, what can we possibly do to change? And he, and he, and he told me what to do. And so I, I want to share that. Amen. But the first scripture I want to start in is Ephesians 5, uh, verse 7. Now, I assure you, this book, in this book, which is, is awesome, he's not making the case that we just, you know, that we live like paupers, that we, we sell everything off, that we just give every penny that we ever earn away, that we can never have nice things, we can never take vacations or anything like that. That isn't his heart and that's not the point. Um, but the, the, the heart and the point is, is to be first kingdom minded. Yeah. 
When you're first kingdom-minded, God will certainly allow you to, uh, he, he will allow you to, to, to partake of wonderful things in life and be blessed. There's, there's nothing about the Lord that, that, that says he doesn't want that. But what he wants us to be is first kingdom-minded, and that's what we need to do, and that's where the church has lost, or that's what the church has lost. And that's why America is the way that it is. When we see the problems that are going on around us, a lot of people want to argue it's politics. It's not the politics. That's just that. That's just a. Uh, that's a symptom. It's a consequence. Yeah, it's a symptom. It's a consequence. It's not that. People argue about abortion and stuff like that. Of course, I don't agree with abortion. I think it's terrible. I think it's awful. But that's not the problem. The problem is what causes the people to get in the position in the first place, and that's a lack of morality. You know, people think that, uh, you, you, know, uh, you, you know, in schools and stuff like that, they see, you know, my wife isn't like this, but they, they, they see kids acting awful, and they think these kids are just terrible, but that's not the problem. The problem is these kids aren't taught uh, rules and boundaries and, and morals and all of these things, and, and, and it's just perpetuating, perpetuating, perpetuating. And the reason all of this is there is because the church has been laying down. The church hasn't taken its place. Christians, you know, are, are you know, Christian. I, I would say that a good majority of Christians don't even know how to witness to someone, much less actually go and do it. And, and, and uh, I find that, that, that that's uh, kind of an appalling thing, especially because this nation, part of the, the blessing in the creation of this, uh, on the creation of this nation was to promote the gospel. That's what this nation's here for. And anybody who doesn't understand that, especially Christians, it's just sad. Ephesians 5, um, 7 uh, through 10. Um, now, you know, there's a lot of, uh, there, there's a lot of question as to why I, uh, and people, some people did, I'm not saying necessarily from a bad point of view, but there was a lot of question of why would you go on these trips? Why did you go on this trip? Why did you go on the one you did last year? And why are you going on this one, this, this one this year? And honestly, there's been at different points uh, where, where myself, I'm going, why am I, why am I going on these trips? And then even there were some points while I was there, I'm like, why am I on this trip? Why am I here? What am I doing? Because it's not conventional. You know, we weren't doing things conventionally. You know, um, you know the heart behind these trips, you know, we, we weren't going and having crusades somewhere. We weren't preaching to thousands of people. That stuff wasn't going to happen. Now, if God had opened a door for it, certainly we would have. But we pretty much knew, or at least I pretty much knew, that wasn't going to happen. That wasn't the purpose of the trip. But, I, I, you know, I, 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 I liken it like this. My, my, my dad told me once, uh, actually it was when they were, my brother was building his house. You know, he, he had this big, big field and uh, he went, uh, found a spot in the field they wanted to build a house in. And then, then he'd get into the planning uh, part of, of, of putting the house in. And my dad said to me, uh, we were talking about it because he was doing the foundation of it. And he said, uh, uh, you know, he said a lot of people think it'd be easy to just go out there in a the field and put up a house, but it doesn't work like that. There's a lot of planning. There's a lot of thought that has to go into it before you can even, before you even dig a hole in the ground. You go out there and you put stakes in the ground and you figure out the best positioning. There's all kinds of different aspects of it. And you consult different kinds of people and different kinds of knowledge and stuff like that just to get to the place before you even, before you even break ground, before you even dig. You know, you do testing and stuff like that. There's all kinds of things that go into it. And what a lot of people don't understand is planning a church is much the same way. Now, Reverend Rich, the guy that I tried 
traveled with, his heart is to plant churches in Europe. And so primarily, or at least in part, what my, my, me going over there was for, was for the, 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 to help him in that process. Yeah. But you know, just like this church, you, you realize we didn't just come up here and throw up a, a sign and say, hey, we're having church here. You realize I came to Mayville for two, like almost two years solid, uh, several times a week, would come up and drive around. I'd try to meet people. I'd try to just get to know the area. I did all kinds of things to try to do that. That is, is kind of the over, the, the general purpose of why we go on these trips because he feels called in these specific cities to plant churches, but you can't just go there. As we learned on this trip, one of the things, and I'm going to read the scriptures here in a minute, so don't, uh, 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 so don't get worried about that, but uh, um, uh, w when I'm over there, one of the things that I, I learned very quickly, you know, we flew, I flew into Berlin, and when I flew into Berlin, most, most people in Berlin spoke English or were pretty good at it. But the town that we spent most of the time in, Greifswald, uh, Germany, which is north of Berlin, we were there next, nobody spoke English. I mean, nobody. And not, not only did they not speak English, they didn't like people that only spoke English. And they didn't like Americans. Actually, I found that theme to be pretty prevalent on the whole trip. As I found out, Europeans don't think much of Americans, and the reason they don't is all kinds of reasons, and, and not all of them are justified. Some of them might be, but, you know, they listen to the news and stuff like that, and they hear all kinds of things about us that, uh, you, know, uh, you know, I think a lot of people in the world think that we're just a bunch of, you know, racist, gas-guzzling, uh, you know, shoot them up kind of, you know, they think that's how we live. It's a Wild West kind of thing, and of course we know it's not like that. But, um, so I'm in, in this town, and, and um, you, you know, uh, so how how do you start a work where there's a major barrier like lang language? And you know, how are you, gonna, how are you going to even begin breaking ground in something like that? It's, so it's uncharted territory. And so that's part of what we were doing. We, of course, we, we look to meet people whenever we can, and we did meet a few people um, we, we, we you know, had some uh, conversations, lengthy conversations with a few people. But, um, but, but, but part of this, all, all of this it goes into the preliminary stages of doing this. Somebody's got to do it. And uh, to just put it honest and, and mildly, it, it's, uh, it's a very uncomfortable thing. It's uncomfortable to be, to be completely out of your element, not know, I mean, imagine not even being able to uh, order a meal. Um, without being able to discern, you know, what, what, what you're getting. Um, I mean, at one point we're in this one, this one uh, fish market, like deli type thing, and I'm just like, I'm pointing. Just like, I don't even know what it is. I can't read the sign and tell what it is, but it looks like something I might eat or might like. I was pleasantly surprised it was good, uh, the things that I picked out, but I couldn't tell you what they are because I have no idea. And so, uh, you, you know, that's it. so there's there's all these aspects to it. Um, but the thing is um, that is that, that you that couldn't I couldn't escape on any of these trips is that the gospel, it's, it's not there. Now, there are churches there. There are some, you know, churches here and there, you know, throughout Europe, of course. Uh, you know, there's plenty of evangelical churches and stuff like that. 
But by and large, it's not like it is here. Here we have them, you know, in Mayville, a town of 1,700 people. And, and, and I mean, there's uh, how many churches in this town? Have, you know, I, I don't know the exact number. And Corey, you know, um, in, in that area, 6,900 people, I think, or 7,100 people, something like that. And in that area, there, there, there's almost 70 churches or maybe more now. Um, so, you know, the, the gospel is here in a great measure. In every town, it's like that. I mean, you can find multiple churches preaching, at least preaching something of the gospel, but you can't understand what it's like to not have that unless you've been there. Unless you've been in that place where you've, and that was one of the things, you know, I, I, I told you that this trip was, was, was different for me because um, I was under such intense pressure that I've never, I've never experienced before. It started uh, really weeks before the trip and it only intensified as the trip went on. There was days where I thought, oh man, we're finally getting some reprieve, we're getting some breakthrough, and it just wasn't so. It would, get, it would grow, and it would be stronger and harder. And you know, I found myself being in position uh, where, where I was the most homesick instantly. I mean instantly the most homesick I've ever been. I've never known homesickness like this, just yearning to be with my family. And then on top of that, like I said on Sunday, I mentioned on Sunday, the entire time the devil whispering in my ears, you're not going home, you're not going home, you're not going home. And so there's no, there's no light, there's not gospel light, there's not Christians to fall back on, there's not, you know, there's not those things. And then there's the pressure, uh, the, the, and I'm gonna get into that too, I think I'm getting ahead of myself some, uh, but uh, there's the pressure that comes as well. And so there's all these things working at you, you know, and, and, and I'm not trying to make a sob story, I chose to go, amen. Uh, I believe I went by the direction of the Lord, and I believe that I found that out even more so as I was there. But let's read this scripture so we can, uh, because this is what's most important. It says, therefore, do not be partakers with them, talking about the works of darkness and stuff like that. For you were formerly darkness, but now are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Those words have grown so much in my heart. And brothers and sisters, this is something that I bring back for us. It's, this, it's to encourage us to live our lives trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. If we would spend our days doing that, we would find the fruits of the Spirit so much more easily. We would find His peace so so much easy more easily we would uh we we would get through trial with with, with much less uh stress and strife yeah. glory to god because when you when you spend your life learning what's pleasing to the lord um that blesses him yeah. and and god can bless that he can do something with that i don't want to walk through this life not pleasing god and i know that 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 most if not all of you are the same way. Pleasing the Lord is so important to me. I want to do that. But you know, the thing is, and I love what it says, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. So there's a process in doing that. And you know, one of the things that I've learned is that when we're in a process, when we're in uncharted territory, this is where faith kicks in and this is where God is well pleased with us. 
Because we're trying, we're going around, we're, we're going through your day. Maybe you don't, you know, sometimes we, we, we come up against a trial, we come up against opposition and, and we instantly want to withdraw from it because it's almost like, you know, I don't like the way this feels and, it, and, and, it's, and, and it's, it just, you know, it just doesn't feel good, it, it hurts, I don't want to deal with this right now, you know, I don't. But, but what the Bible teaches us is that if we would press into God in faith, and try to learn what's pleasing to him. That in those hard times, in those places, he will develop in us the things that we need to go further and to, to go stronger, to, to, to get through it, to get over it. And that's what's pleasing to the Lord. So there's these trips, <coughs> these trips really have a, a multi, or they have had a multifold purpose in the, to these trips. One of the things that we learned is, uh, one of the things we learned a lot of is what not to do. Sometimes a lot of the things that you're going to learn in life is, not, is what not to do. How not to do something or how to prepare better for something. Um, one of the things that I can guarantee you Reverend Rich is going to do, and, then the, the, and I can guarantee it because he said he, to me he's going to going to do this, but he's going to approach people a little bit different. The people that he brings with him, he's going to uh, do things a little bit differently. I'll just say it that way. It's the best way of doing it. Because one of the things that we saw were some times where there, where, where there was a lot of difficulty trying to navigate two people. You know, one of the themes of the trip was, was if, uh, how can two walk together unless they be agreed? And of course, we know that's scripture. And, you know, and there's so much to that. Again, but that's a, that's a concept. That's something I bring back with us. Like, as a church body, if we're running together, if we, if we can't find a place of agreement, a platform, at least a place where we can agree to disagree even, we're not going to be going forward doing the will of God very much. We're not going to get much accomplished because we'll be infighting and stuff like that. And so, so you know, there, there needs to be the ability to work those things out and see those things. But... Uh, so the, the, the purposes uh, of these trips had, had multiple purposes and, or, 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 it's, or it's multi-fold or multi-dimensions uh, to it. But this is, the, this is by design of the Lord and this is how God does everything. If you ever notice according to scripture, you know, uh, like you take like a good giving scripture, one that we like, like Luke 6.38, right? Uh, give and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. What does it say? Give and it shall be given to you right? Whatsoever a man sows that he shall reap. Those kinds of ideas. And we, we see those principles in, in scripture. And so there's this idea that God doesn't, he doesn't just want one person blessed. Every blessing of the Lord blesses multiple people. It'll bless the one who's doing it, being obedient. He'll bless them. He'll bless the one that they're trying to get blessing to. Sometimes God will send somebody to bless someone else just so he can bless multiple people. Yeah. Do you know that? Yeah. Sometimes you think, well, well, why would the Lord have me do that? God's trying to get blessing in your life. And so he sends you to be a blessing so you can be blessed. Amen? Praise the Lord. I remember one time my wife and I were, were driving around. We were having a, I can't remember, we were having a real down day. This was early on in our relationship. I don't even think it was with each other, but we were just, we were depressed or whatever. We were just having some things come against us, whatever it was. And I remember uh, as we were driving, we were actually down on Route 20. As we were driving, I got a phone call uh, from uh, a family member. And that family member needed uh, some, some preaching to, you know what I mean? They needed some, some good spiritual advice. 
Now, I'm not necessarily the one that, that, that you would go to, especially back then, for good spiritual advice, but they, it was better than the advice they were getting, so that, that was good. But, but God sent me this person to minister to, and by the time I was done ministering to him, I was ministered to. You know, and this is how our God does things. And so he will send you to minister and then he'll bless you for ministering. He will send you to be obedient. He'll bless you for your obedience. And, and so God will do this. So, so I came there to help, but I also came there to learn. But also the pur purpose of me learning was for both me personally, but also to come back and be able to bring things back to you. Uh, my, my life has been changed by these trips and seeing some of the things I've seen. And so I can bring that to people and help people. But another thing that I can see is I can recognize things in people. There are people that are going to be gifted to go into other places and not know the language or not know, uh, you know, the land, but they're going to be gifted and they'll know on the inside of them that they got to go and they got to set up churches and works and all of those things. And one of the things that God has developed in me in these trips is the ability to be able to start seeing that in people. And even I can, to a degree, I can start developing, helping develop people in those ways. Now, if you think I'm sounding real prideful or something, it has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with the fact I'm a pastor and that's part of my job. But if I can't see it, I can't help. If you can't see, you're not going to be able to help. Amen. And so that's, that's, that's part of it. And just in case you wanted some scripture, Romans 1 11 and 12. I just wanted to show you an example of this. Praise the Lord. It says, For I long to see you that I may impart some spiritual gift to you, that you may be established. Verse 12. That is, that I may be encouraged together with you while among you, each of us by the other's faith, both yours and mine. We also know that the Bible says that iron sharpens iron. Glory to God. I'm talking about uh, two, two people coming together, uh, two, two people of faith coming together. They sharpen each other and make each other stronger. And you know this, um, I'm not afraid to admit this as a pastor. Like, God does things in me through your presence as well. Yeah. Like, it, it's not a blessing to me to not have your presence. Your faith encourages me. Yeah. Yeah, their faith encouraged Paul. The Romans' faith encouraged Paul. Amen? And there's nothing wrong with saying that. It's, you know, actually, you can even say Jesus was encouraged by faith when the centurion came to him and said, no, you don't even have to come because I understand how this works. You just say the words and it'll be done. He knew that, right? And Jesus said, I haven't seen such great, great faith in all of Israel. And that blessed Jesus to see that. What is that? That, that, that? That's that encouragement and that's that, that edification that comes, that can only come from being a, a body. Brothers and sisters, one of the things that I'm trying to build an emphasis on in these churches is that this is not a pastor-only show. It's not all about me and my wife. It's not, oh, we're not the man and the woman for the hour. We can't do this without you. And what I mean by that is not just sitting there serving and doing things, you know, you're cleaning the church and you're doing things. You know, I'm not just talking about stuff like that because that stuff is not the work of the ministry. The work of the, yeah, it's a little part of it. The stuff that happens here to get this service running, this is a little part of the work of the ministry. This is not where your life begins and ends. Your life is supposed to, you're supposed to take what you, you learn in church out into the world and be a blessing to the world. I am as well. I'm not exempt from that. But that's what coming together for the local church, yes, sir, there's things we're going to need to do and people are going to need to serve to get things done. We have ushers and sound people and cleaners and food makers and all the stuff, right? We have all the things. But that's not the end-all, be-all. This is not the end-all, be-all. This is where we come together. And so we have to start developing the gifts. 
I, I believe with all my heart that there is gifts that are sitting here in the seats. In fact, I know there is because the Bible tells us there is. Do you understand that you should be able to prophesy? Doesn't mean you're going to be a prophet, but you should be able to prophesy. Do you understand that you should be able to lay hands on the sick and they should recover? Do you realize that you should be able to pray in faith just as your pastor or as the prophet or as anybody else does? It's not, this, isn't a, this isn't a show that's all about me. It's not a show that's all about the one in the pulpit. In fact, the best men of God that I've seen are the most humble men of God or women of God. Praise the Lord. The best ones I've seen. That's, 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 that's how I uh, look at uh, this man here. Praise God. Um, you know, we were praying in prayer uh, for, uh, I, I, I've made, uh, we, we, we've made friends. Uh, we made some uh, Swedish friends that have been in the Americas. Uh, and uh, they, they, they've been just such a blessing to our life. Life-changing, amen? And the most humble people. The most, I mean, uh, the, the, so much uh, smarter than I am. Uh, has degrees and all that stuff and read the Bible and in the Greek and stuff like that you know we were praying for them uh, pre-service here today but uh, uh, you, you know um, uh, his name is Michael Michael and Emily Stenhammer is their name and uh, just they're just such a blessing to us they, they, they they've they, they've heard us they listen to us and they uh, what's that Divine connections, yeah, the Lord, it's amazing how the Lord orchestrated all that, but just humble, humble people. I just, I love that, uh, that, that, that they could sit and talk with you and, and well, praise the Lord. Yeah. Glory to God. So we, we see this, so this, uh, that, that uh, it's back and forth, that we, that, that there's a blessing that comes both ways and, and, and God is doing multi, multi, multi-fold things, multiple-fold things. Am I saying that? You get what I mean, right? Yeah. Amen. She's just smiling at me. I was looking for the correction, but she's just smiling. So she still ain't got used to me being back yet. So she smiles at me a lot, you know? <laughs> I don't even have to do anything right. And she smiles at me. That's great. I go away more often, I think. No, she smiles at me a lot anyway. So some things I learned. And some of these things are going to sound just like, just like kind of like, well, yeah, you should have known this. But I've learned them solid. I've got them in me now, right? The importance of li- living kingdom-minded the importance of agreement, the importance of desire for God, the importance of following his spirit. Now, this is very specific. Listening and looking for him, not even being too specific, purpose-driven. We're on a mission. We got a mission. We want to plant a church. Do you know that in that moment, you can completely miss something that God wants to do because you're so mission-minded. And that actually happened. Um, now, some of the things, you know, you, you will make mistakes in life. I'm going to talk about some of the mistakes I've made. And uh, you will make mistakes in life, and God, don't worry, God can teach you through them, and he'll help you through them. If you make a mistake, don't get all wrapped up in that you made a mistake. Just move on and learn from it, right? So we were, um, uh, one of the things that we had to do is we had to find a laundry, because you can't carry two weeks' worth of clothes 
I tried carrying a week's worth of clothes and that was uh, uh, pretty heavy at times, all the stuff you gotta take with you. But, uh, but I did, but we had to find a laundry and we were a few days over, so thank God for Febreze fabric spray because you know after you've gone through all your clothes, you give them a little spritz and, and they smell okay for a couple more days. But we, uh, we, we, we finally um, about, I can't remember what it was, about 10, uh, 10 days in maybe, yeah, two or three days past my outfit allowance, we found a laundromat. And laundromats in Europe are very rare, very, very rare. And so we finally found one. And we're here at this laundromat and we, um, we, we go there first thing in the morning. We're the only people there, but a guy comes in about the same time. This guy speaks really good English. So such good English, he, he might be from America. Well, he was, he was from North Carolina. So we are in Copenhagen, was, was it Copenhagen? Yes, yeah, that's where I was, Copenhagen, Denmark. Uh, and I run into an American from North Carolina, from uh, um, uh, Asheville, North Carolina. And, uh, you know, we, we have this interaction and, and, and stuff, and the Spirit starts dealing with me on things. But, you know, I'm, I'm so, we're, we're so minded on getting the laundry done and doing our thing, and this guy's American, and we're not here to reach Americans, we're here to reach Copenhagen Inns. Right, we're we're here to uh, we're we're, we're here to re reach uh, the Dutch. Right, is it Dutch? I don't know. They change all the, the yeah, yeah, yeah. The Denmarkians. <laughs> That's what we're there to reach. And, but, um, to make a long story short, what, what the Lord it, it showed me through this is that that that. that um, because we, we, I kind of missed the opportunity, and by the time I was kind of catching on to what God was trying to show me, it had already become too late. Now, we did exchange numbers, and so, or, or he exchanged numbers with, uh, with, with Reverend Rich, and so, um, you know, we, we, we left that door open. We knew later we couldn't just go back through it, because sometimes, you know, your, your window of opportunity is only so big. But that's one of the things that the Lord was showing me is that if we're so focused on, on whatever we're doing, sometimes we miss some of the greatest opportunities that are right there in front of us. Yeah. You know, um, I, 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 there was one other time where we were walking down the street and we were walking past lots of people, but there was this one, one young woman that walked past and she was pregnant. And instantly as, as we were passing, it was like I, I, I had the words to speak to her, like, uh, you know, the words I wanted to say to her. And, and, but I, I started thinking about it and then the moment passed. And then, and then yet yeah, that was another moment where it was like, here was opportunity. Now we did take some opportunities too, so it wasn't like a complete loss or anything. But one of the things that the Lord was showing me is, is how he wants to interact with us. He, he wants us to get to the point where we're living our lives. Do we have anybody who works in here, right? You're living your life and you get opportunity. The Lord speaks to you. But wait a minute, you didn't, I, I, I didn't get to pray for 15 hours about this. You don't need to. I didn't get to study the word right before I did this. I didn't, I didn't prepare the speech. I didn't have my note cards. I didn't have the message from Sunday downloaded or whatever it is. See, see, God doesn't want you depending on all those things. What he wants you dependent on is his spirit on the inside of you. So we have to learn how to flow and, and, and interact with God's spirit to the point where, where when it's time to move, it's like, here's your opportunity and there's your door. So that's one of the things that I started learning and that we started learning and started perfecting is to take those opportunities and sometimes that requires you to step out not knowing what the next step is. 
Because, you know, it's like I, I, I could step out. And what, what the Lord did was so sweet was because when I was passing that woman, for example, it was kind of like pray for her. But it was like, well, what do you even pray about? And then we don't speak the language and all that stuff. But, uh, but as soon as I passed, it was like the Lord had told me what it was exactly what I, I, I would have prayed. And I knew, again, it was, I, I knew supernatural. I knew it wasn't a thing that I was to cross back over. But God was teaching me through that. And so, uh, you, you know, as, as we do these things, as we do this, uh, these things in life, we need to be people that, are, that, that are, are really desiring to move with God. And so I, I, I asked the Lord at one point, I said, how do we effectively follow the Holy Spirit? Right? And, and, and he kind of gave me these things. And so I'm just going to share them with you. The first thing that we do to effectively follow the Holy Spirit is to desire you got a desire to. Yeah. Lord, I want to be led. Right. I, want, I want moments like that. Yeah. you got to start desiring it. Yeah. You're probably never going to see it if you don't desire it. Yeah. Desire God to move on you. Mm -hmm. Desire God to, to lead you to somebody. Maybe when you get up in the morning, pray about it. Maybe just start thinking, you know what, I've, I've been doing this one thing over and over and over and I haven't seemed like I've accomplished anything. Well, Lord, show me something I can do in this day to glorify you or in this situation to glorify you. Amen? Amen. But another thing he told me is to develop gifts. You know, a lot of times what we talk about in church is we talk about a gift that's in the pulpit. And I'm not opposed to that. There's certainly gifts in the pulpit. Pastoring, I've seen it, is a, it's a gift. It's unlike anything that I could, uh, could have ever imagined. God has put things in me. I don't even know where they come from sometimes, but they're in me. I know that they're there, and I see the fruit of them. Amen? Uh, you, you experience the fruit of them as well. Uh, I, I, you know, Reverend Greer is an example of a prophet that, 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 that I've, I've connected with uh, over the years. And, and, and when he prophesies over me, it's been so specific and so exact. And it comes to pass exactly like, like it was, you know. And so in, in, that's a gift. And that's important. But those aren't the only gifts. There's gifts that you're sitting on right now. I mean, uh, you know, you're, I'm not saying you're, but you're sitting, you, like your seat is holding a gift, praise the Lord, that God wants to use, that he intends to use. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. And, and, and there has to be, if we're going to be effective Christians, effective churches, it is only going to happen when the other gifts start realizing that they too are gifted. Now, it's important to come and, and, and hear the word preached to us. That's, that's partaking of one gift. I'm not making light of that. But if that is all we get, and by and large, that's all we get. People aren't empowered. How, how do you pray? Well, you wouldn't know how to pray if you've never been shown how to pray. And so that's why one of the things that the Lord started dealing with me in, of course, and I talked about this a little bit on Sunday, is to start praying more for the sick. In the own or your own church, start praying. Just give an opportunity to pray for the sick. But you know where he's taking that even further? Is to start having other people help. Yes. Have other people help. <clears throat> you need to partake of that. Now, I'm not going to, don't get, get afraid. I'm not going to force anybody to do it. But, but, but we need to be doing these things because it's not a Jeff show. It's not a Renee show. It is, it, it is a Holy Spirit show. It's a God show, whatever he wants to do. Yeah. And so that's something to me that is just, uh, that, that, but if we don't ever develop these gifts, we're not going to effectively be led. 
And then uh, once you start developing the gifts, you start perfecting those gifts. When I mean developing gifts, I'm not saying drumming up things that don't exist. God has equipped us and will equip us with certain things. He'll equip you with things I don't have. He'll equip me with things you don't have. Amen? And uh, we have to find how those work together. That's the perfecting of those things. Do you know that there will be times when, when I'm going to need to listen to someone else? That's something that's not real popular in our circles. Oh, the pastor, he, he, he knows it all. I'm going to tell you right now, I know for a fact, I know for an absolute fact that pastors don't know it all. I might, I might get hung for saying this, but I'm telling you right now, pastors do not know it all. In fact, there's a lot of times when pastors would do real good to shut their mouths and listen to somebody else. Ouch, hallelujah. But it's the absolute truth. I have seen mistakes that are mistakes that did not need to be made, and I mean detrimental mistakes, because no one dares question the one who's in, who, who's in, in, in authority. Now listen, there is an authority structure. I'm not saying that, there's, that I don't carry any authority as a pastor of the church. Of course I do. But that doesn't mean I'm a dictator. And this was the theme of this trip that I was just on. Because every country that I was in was extremely affected by dictatorships. And I'm going to tell you, brothers and sisters, that although some of it was decades and decades and decades ago, it is very, very palpable, tangible. You can feel it. It's oppressive, and it's there. You know, we, I was in Berlin first. I was there for just a couple of days, walking around Berlin. And in Berlin, of course, we know that Berlin was kind of the, the, the headquarters of, of, of the Nazis. And that's where, you know, when Hitler was doing World War II, where Hit, that was where Hitler made his end. You know, and it was interesting to me. I, I mean, they, they don't, they haven't masked it over. They, they you know, it was, it was terrible. They all say it's terrible, but they, everything, all the sites, they're there because they know people want to come see it and stuff like that. So they show you, there's actually this one area where all the administration buildings were. And they called it, the, I think they call it the terrain of terror. Yeah, that's what it's called. And I mean, it feels like that when you walk up to it. Um, that's where all the decisions about what they were going to do with the Jews and other people, uh, these horrible, uh, these ideas were, were, were brought about in there. But you know, Berlin is, is also interesting because after World War II, and actually I walked by, you know, I, 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 I found the, you know, where Hitler's bunker was, where he ended his life. Um, and it was really interesting because I was walking down the street and it's just a parking lot now. They're talking about maybe at some point building some kind of museum, but it's just a parking lot now. And, um, and uh, as I was walking down the street and it was like, it was a beautiful day. It was so peaceful. The birds were chirping and I was thinking what evil happened just right there. I mean, it just, it, it, it's just, just amazing. I was standing outside the, the Reichstag, it's called. It was the, the uh, uh, I think it's like their parliament building or something like that. And that's, that's where, I believe that was the building where Hitler uh, was given full power when he convinced the people to give him full power. Listen, one man having full power is a very dangerous thing. But uh, uh, it was where he convinced them to give him all the power, and that's where, where, where he let loose his reign. Um, and then, of course, we know, you know, after World War II, the, the, the you know, uh, 
Berlin was, 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 or Germany was kind of split up. And the reason they did that was because the reason Hitler rose to power is because they didn't do that after the First World War. And Germany went into all this poverty. I'm not trying to give you a big history lesson, but I'm just giving you a, a basic one. They, they went into deep uh, poverty and recession and stuff. And Hitler said, see, this is what happens. And that's how he used it, that as a platform to rise to power. And uh, so afterwards, they said, well, we can't allow that to happen again. So what we're going to do is we're going to divide up the country. And they divided up Americans and I think English and in somebody else, maybe France, uh, in the lower part, but the nor northern Germany, where, where Griesfeld was, where we were going to go into, uh, was all uh, that was run by uh, the, the Russians by, uh, under Stalin. And Stalin wasn't exactly a nice guy either, right? He was also a dictator, and if you know your history, of course. But, but uh, right through uh, 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 Berlin, you know, uh, the, that's where the dividing line was. And, um, it, you know, of course, in my lifetime, uh, I remember when it came down the Berlin Wall. But you know how that happened was basically over one night, what happened was uh, uh, Stalin decided that he wanted to, to, to separate, you know, because he doesn't want uh, the influence of democracy getting on his communist uh, mindset. And so, so he, he decided uh, one night, one morning, uh, the, the, the people in East Berlin, West Berlin, Whatever, I forget, I always mix it up. But uh, the, the ones on the Russian side, they woke up to having uh, razor wire, barbed wire, whatever rolled out uh, that divided them. And families that were over there now could not, uh, could not see families on the other side. And then, of course, they built the Berlin Wall, and we see all that, too. And all of that stuff, you know, all, all of that stuff, parts of the Berlin Wall are still there and the effects of that are still there. And that's why I say all this stuff is because what people don't realize is, is the effects of these things go much deeper and last a lot longer. Um, <clears throat> You see the effects of what dictatorships and communism does and that separation and also the suppression of the gospel. And so you get into these areas that are dark and you see all, uh, you start seeing this and you see, you know, people, you know, like we had a, 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 the lady that, that waited on me at the fish market. I mean, if she lived in Germany all her life, which I, I'm assuming she did because she only spoke German, um, she um, very, she, she would have, she was old enough to have remembered, you know, to have lived in that. She would have lived on the, the wrong side of the, the Berlin Wall, so to speak. And so that oppressiveness. Um, <clears throat> and, and so, uh, and of course, Denmark. Denmark was a little bit, uh, a, a little bit more open, a little bit uh, freer, but that was an interesting thing as well. And I'm trying to. Uh, I don't want to get too far, too far off of, uh, you know, on, onto rant because I could probably talk about this for hours and hours. But, um, but the the point of this is that the darkness still remains. That in these countries, that although they have freedom. They're not, they're, they're, they don't really have freedom. That they, uh, they're always under this, and of course with everything that Russia is doing now, and then when we went into Latvia, which is former uh, Soviet Union, you know, <clears throat> that was really bad. I, I didn't want to go there, and I wanted to leave every second that I was there. I couldn't get out of the country fast enough. Um, it, when you talk about darkness, it was, the, it was the, probably the darkest place that I've ever felt. It was um, people there, again, they, they didn't like Russians or they didn't like Americans, they didn't trust anybody. And there's this constant thing going on because a third of the people of Latvia are, um, they're uh, Russian. 
and Russians are still loyal to Russia. By and large, they're still loyal to Russia. And the Latvians, well, they're not loyal to Russia. They don't like it. And because they remember all the things and stuff like that. And so you have that tension that's always there. And of course, as far as Americans go, they really don't like Americans. <clears throat> and so, <clears throat> but the, the, the light of the gospel is not in these places. It's dark. And I got to experience like th that. And Reverend Rich and I were talking about it. And I don't know if he was quoting somebody else um, or if he, this was just something that the Lord had spoke to him. But he shared this and I wanted to share it with you. He said, do you think that you are going to go into these dark places that the devil has dominated all these years and he isn't going to try and stop you? And then he shared with me a scripture, Joshua 17, 12. I think we have it on there. <clears throat> but the sons of Manasseh could not uh, take possession of these cities because the Canaanites persisted in living in the land. This is a really interesting thing, a really interesting thing we see in scripture where <clears throat> the people persisted. They, they insisted on living in the land. They were going to live there. They were going to be taken over. And because of that, it, 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 it caused a resistance to the sons of Manasseh that they couldn't take possession of those cities. Yeah. <clears throat> now, of course, we believe that there's more with us than with them and that God, you know, if God would send us, he's sending us for a purpose. But the point that I'm trying to make is it's not going unopposed. Right. And if it's not going unopposed, that means there's going to be a fight. There's going to be a battle, so to speak. Yeah. <clears throat> And this is always, I think somebody said this, whether it was the Spirit of God, I can't remember, the Lord, they prophesied this, can't remember, but he said, the reason that some places are dark is because the devil and his children are more determined to live in them than my children are. Yeah, it was, a, it was a, I don't know if he spoke, the Lord spoke it to him or someone else, but it was something that the Lord spoke to someone, that the, the reason that some places are dark is because the devil and his children are more determined to live in them than my children are. And of course, I see that. You know, as I reflect on America, as I reflect on this country, I'm not down, getting down on this, but, you know, one of the things that we know is that when things become easy, people tend to get really lax. Yeah. And in this country, we are seeing the results of a church that has been lax. Again, when I say, like, people get, they want to argue politics and all that stuff, anybody who's doing that is just a fool. They don't know what's really going on. There's powers of darkness that are working behind the scenes. And until the church rises up and stops it, they are more determined to be there than we are. Yeah, of course they're making decisions that make no sense. This is what we fight about as Christians, right? We're fighting about people making decisions that make no sense, but they're being, they're being dictated or, or led by the devil. Of course they're not making any sense. They're meant to cause confusion. You know why the devil wants confusion? Because truth is not confusion. Truth keeps us away from confusion. So when people are confused and they think everything can just be anything, then, then they don't know what to do. They don't know what the truth is. And darkness creeps in and creeps in and creeps in. See, a lot of these people, I actually were told this when we went to, to Latvia. They said, don't smile in public. Because if you smile in public, people think you're an idiot. Quite literally think you're an idiot. And the reason that, and I'm telling you, nobody smiles in Latvia. One lady did, and she was, she was, she was probably an idiot. I, I mean, in the sense of, you know what I mean? Like, she's kind of, she didn't know. I mean, she's out there. Like, 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 like they, they say that because their, their viewpoint of, of life is this. That if you're happy, 
you obviously don't know what life is really like. That's how people live 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. They're passing it down to child after child after child. When I was in, when I was in Copenhagen, and this place was fairly happy, they were nice to us. I like Copenhagen. I'm going to take my family back. It's a good place. You should go. I'm telling you. You probably go for the same price you go to California. So save up your money, go to Copenhagen. You don't even have to speak the language there. Uh, but it's really cool. But uh, the first day as I was walking around Copenhagen, and th that's the thing, you know, I, I, I did get some miles in. Last year, we, I was gone three weeks, and I walked, you remember, I don't know if you remember, I walked 109 miles in three weeks. This year, I was gone two weeks, and I walked 116 miles. So I, 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 was, I was hitting the pavement. I was out there trying to see everything I could see. And one morning as I was walking around Copenhagen, it was a beautiful morning, and it was quiet, and nobody was out, and I just had all these streets to myself, and I'm just walking, and I'm seeking the Lord, and as I'm doing it, I hear, I hear my spirit over and over from Ecclesiastes, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Vanity, in fact, let me turn there. Praise the Lord if you don't mind. Ecclesiastes 1. It's hard to find. It's right after Proverbs. Ecclesiastes 1, verse 1. Read a couple verses. It says, uh, verse 2, uh, Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. All is vanity. What advantage does man have in all his work, which he does under the sin, under the sun? A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. Also, the sun rises and the sun sets, and hastening to its place, it rises there again, blowing toward the south and toward, uh, turning toward the north. The wind co continues swirling along, and on the circle, on its circle, courses um, the wind returns. The wind returns, and it just goes on to talk about. But it's talking about this idea of of building in this life, and that's really, uh, if you understand Ecclesiastes, it's, it was written by Solomon, who is reflecting on his life and seeing all these things that he's done, all these things he's accomplished, and saying, what's what's the value in it all? And that's what I was doing. I'm going around the city, and the city is an expensive city. It's a rich city. There's there's everything you can imagine. It's beautiful. I mean, they've they've just got there's money and wealth, and there's food, and there's there's entertainment, and there's all kinds of things, and it's all vanity, because they don't know the Lord. Yeah. We were talking to somebody, uh, some shop owners in 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 Copenhagen. And we were talking about we were Christian ministers, and we we're coming over to to uh, there to you know to 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 get basically you're trying to you know because people don't always understand everything, so you don't give them everything all up at, all all at once. And she's like, yeah, she's like, people here aren't really um, people here don't follow religion. Uh, they're spiritual though, they're spiritual, but they don't really follow religion. Whatever works for you, that that that's good. And it kind of wanted to leave it at that point. It was a few minutes later, we were sitting at a, at a cafe outside having a, a, a tea. And uh, this, this, this line of, uh, of children, you know, you know how they walk them, you know, they got all the preschool kids, four or five year olds or something like that comes walking by me. You know, and I, I was looking at them and I was just, I'm always, I'm always blessed by kids and, and, and seeing them, I was just like, how precious, you know. And then the thought, the realization comes to me that unless somebody tells them, and their parents aren't going to tell them, they will never know the Lord, and they won't go to heaven. Because there'll be a day when they stop breathing, and they'll stand before God. And, you know, these kinds of things, you know, 
become a reality to you in a way that, that when you experience them like that, becomes a reality to you in a way that you can't ignore. In fact, I actually, I forgot about this until right now, but the Lord said to me, it's easy. Oh man, what was it? How do you say it? Um, I should probably find it because I want to be, I want to be accurate. Uh, Hope you guys don't mind if I, I look this up. Oh, yeah, here it is. This is what the, the Spirit of God said on the inside of me. He said, when you see their faces, you can't ignore their destiny. Don't be complacent in your living. When you see their faces, and you see the faces of people that are lost, you can't ignore their destiny. You can't do it anymore. I can't do it. I can't look at people that I know are lost and not, not care to try to, to, to try to help them. But you can't rush up to a whole bunch of, uh, a whole bunch of uh, kindergarten kids on the street that are there with their teachers and start preaching Jesus to them, can you? No, because they're going to call the police and you hear the because that's the way it goes over there. You know, the police, and they'll come get you, put you in the wagon and, 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 and put you in the, the gulag or whatever it is. And, you know, that, you know but there, there, there's a truth to this that if somebody doesn't teach them, and we know that primarily for kids, it's going to come through the parents. And so what, what, what do we, but the parents have got to know. You know, in, in, in Denmark, one of the, you know, it's not a, you don't get the oppressiveness because they've gotten kind of past that, you know, they don't get the oppressiveness of, of all the dictatorships and stuff. But what you're left with is people that just don't believe in God. You know, it's more common there to not be married and have families than it is to be married and get a family, you know. Uh, so, so, so they don't think of it. They don't even see, you know, traditional marriage. What is that? Marriage, it's not even necessary. What's the point of it, you know? And so you just get an idea of, you get an idea of, of, of kind of what's going on, what, you know, what you're seeing there. Um, and so, you know, when you, when you see their faces, you can't ignore their destiny. It became kind of this thing to me, this cry to me that was like, there, there's something important that needs to happen. And, and, and I'm like, but, you know, Lord, what, what can we possibly do? Like, I, I mean, how can we possibly... I mean, because the, the, the enormity of this thing becomes real. And then I couldn't help but thinking back to America. And I'm thinking about my, my wife. Now, you can say whatever you want about schools or what you think about stuff like that. But unless you work in one, you don't know. Or go to one, you don't know. And so a lot of people are saying a lot of things, but they don't know. One of the things that we've done is we've pulled all the Christians out of schools in many ways. And we've left the schools to go to hell. There's not Christians in schools fighting for it anymore. There's fewer and fewer and fewer. And I'm not saying that, you know, it's wrong if you send your kid to a a Christian school and stuff like that. I'm not saying that stuff is wrong. I think that the important thing is to know, according to the Spirit of God, what you're supposed to do and then be led individually for that. And some people may, some people won't. My kids have all gone to public schools, you know, and it's not always easy for them. but, But one of the things that we see is you pull out the light and what you're left with is darkness. You pull out the salt and you're left without flavor. That's the way it is. And so don't think that just, you know, God just being in a place, just bringing light to a place is a sign to the devil that he can't just have it. And we have to understand that. But the, the reason that, 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 that I'm thinking back to America is because America is going the direction that Europe is in. 
And so we look at Europe and we say, that's awful, we need to reach them. But if we, don't lo if we lose our country, which we're going to do, if the church doesn't wake up and start getting serious about the things of God. And this doesn't have to be a sad thing. We just need to see who we are and embrace who we are in Christ and start being that in the world. Stop fighting about things that don't matter. Should I get vaccinated? Should I not get vaccinated? Christians shouldn't even have an argument over that stupid stuff. Why does that even matter? I, I, I mean, it's so, it's amazing the things that Christians will divide over and it's worthless. It's worthless. It means nothing. It's, they've fallen victim of the political. You know, we talk about our freedoms and stuff like that. We're not free. We jump right in line with whatever side we've, we've aligned with. And that's what we do. Oh, I'm a Republican. I'm a Democrat. So that's what I got to be. How about being a Christian first? How about being a Christian first before you be this or be, be that? Amen? And see, Christians have forgotten all about They fight about things. And meanwhile, the devil is having a field day with our nation. You know, I, I, it, was like, it was amazing to watch the, you know, the, the, the Christians with Trump. Now, I, I, was a, I, I voted for Trump. I like Trump. You know, I was a Trump fan. I was in that thing. I'm just telling you the truth. But it's just like people lifted him up like he was the savior. And I realized real quickly that he wasn't. He's not our savior. You know why he's not in office? Because he tried to be the savior. Yeah. <laughs> well, praise the Lord. I could get into stuff, but I ain't getting into that because I don't want to get into the... I'm not even talking about politics. It's not a political thing. It's, it's, it's about the fact that we don't look at what's honestly actually important. It's that when, when, when darkness is allowed to prevail, when we allow it in our homes, and this is the thing, okay, praise the Lord. So I go, to the God, I go to the Lord and I say, Lord, how can we change this? What do we do? What can we possibly do over there? And he said to me this, clean up your own backyard. Clean up your, start at home. Be the father you're supposed to be. Be the husband you're supposed to be. Then, start, then, then, then you go out and you go into your, your job or your, your, your work or you go to your church and you start being the church member you're supposed to be, the part of the body you're supposed to be. You, 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 you desire the gift that God wants, that God's placed in you, desire that to be, uh, to be operational in its fullness and then you allow it to come forth. And me, as a brother in Christ, I want to encourage that gift out of you to come forth. And as we start utilizing these gifts together, all of a sudden, we start cleaning up this place. And we can start cleaning up Mayville a little bit. Maybe we can get Corey on, on board and convince them that they need to clean up too. Amen? And then Spartansburg and the other areas, you know, and we can get, we start reaching out. But see, all of these things, they come from being God-focused and desiring truly what God wants to do. Stop being so wrapped up in, you, you know, all the things that don't matter. Listen, we don't have to be chasing after power. We chase after God. He is the power. When we need the power, he'll deliver the power. I ain't got to manufacture it or make it happen. Praise God. That takes a lot of weight off me. As a pastor, you know what I've, I've learned is I, I just don't have to make it happen. I just got to do my part, and when I do my part, and you do your part, God will show up with his power. Yes. Amen? Because it was never about me, it was never about you anyways. It was about him. Glory to God. 
And so, you, you know, uh, God started showing me that as I was over there. And not, not to say that we can't do things like that or I shouldn't do things like that because God will lead us and he'll send us and he'll place us in places. You, you know what? He may send you to Falconer. Amen? To go do something. This is what I've learned about God. He may send you, I, I mean, on a mission to, 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 to go eat at a restaurant or whatever. But in that moment, he'll open a door. Steve has a really great example of he was on, his jo on a job that he was supposed to do, and it didn't look like it was going to be anything fun at all. But all of a sudden, God presented him with an opportunity to, uh, to minister to somebody who needed ministers, desperately needed Jesus. He almost did, I mean, it, was, it almost came right by you, right? I mean, it, it was there, but, you, you, but, but it was like you weren't looking for it. You weren't, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, actually, uh, yeah. you don't mind me saying that, right? Well, she said it anyway, so you don't mind she said it. Praise the Lord. Um, yeah. He's like, what the Lord say to you? Pray for them. Yeah, pray with them. Pray with them. Pray with them. Ooh, that's a step further. You see, you could. It, it's really yeah, Lord. I'll pray for anybody you want. No, I said pray with them. Ouch. So that's what they told him. He said pray, pray with them. He said, what did you say? No. No. <laughs> I ain't doing that. Yeah. What I love about this is, 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 is uh, just, uh, and, and I share, you know, sometimes I share these different things that happen with people because I, I think it, it helps us understand that, you know, things happen with all of us. Yeah. You know, and, and of course, I, I think he did wonderfully. And of course, when I ask him about the story, um, it's, it's really a great story. Um, but, um, you know, it was, uh, I don't know, o over a year ago or so, he, uh, Steve had come to me, um, and maybe even longer than that was, uh, you know, when he was maybe closer when he was first coming, he said, you know, he's like, how do you, something like, how do you know that you hear the voice of God or how do you know it's the voice of God or whatever? And now he's talking to God and he's hearing from me, he's actually responding to God, talking to him, and I just love that. See, it's just, this is how God develops, and you, it, but there's been hunger there. And that hunger, God has done something with that and is continuing to do something with that, amen? And so, you, you know, the, 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 the bulk of this trip, and of course, I probably left a lot out. Um, I've said a lot, what was I saying that I was going to? That. that. Yeah. Your families. Your communities. Your state. Your country. Then the world. See, because we can't be effective somewhere else if we're not first effective at home. And this is one of the greatest mistakes that a lot of Christians think is they think they can come to church and they can fake it and they're all right. But that's the problem. See, because it's not real then. You might fake it for people, but you're doing nothing. You're not faking it for God. See, we don't want to fake it. We, 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 like, and that's why I try to be a pastor who's like not afraid to show my, like my stuff, you know, my weakness or whatever. Like it just, it is what it is. Like I, I told the Lord when I, I, I started, I keep saying these things. I told the Lord when I started this, I said, I can't be Pastor Tim. I can't be Pastor Michael. I don't know if I can even be me. I'm just like, I can't guarantee that day to day because that could change. You know what I mean? But I was like, I've got to do this the way, the best that I can. If you want something different out of me, you got to put it in me. Because I ain't got it. And I ain't pretending. And you know something? That one, one thing, this is, this, is, this is one benefit of being raised by a mother. Is, uh, uh, you know, primarily a, a mother is that I didn't, uh, I, 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 I just, I didn't care about, uh, I don't have to be somebody. 
You know what I mean? Like, like, like I don't have to, it's not that I don't have that manly thing where I've got to, I mean, sometimes I do a little bit, but you know, cause it, it's inherent in me, you know, a little bit, but, uh, but I'm just saying that a lot of that I can, I can like, my mom was, uh, the greatest example, um, uh, all my life. My mom was the greatest example of, of serving that I ever saw someone who just constantly served, serve, serve, serve every, anybody and everybody and did so not in a way that wasn't, um, not in a way that was, uh, oh, I'm serving again. We know people like that. We know people that like every time they serve, they want to make a post about it, you know? So they, you know, uh, this is all the stuff I did, you know? Uh, uh, just being humble. And I actually, we knew somebody that said to us once, uh, I'm, the, I'm, I'm the humblest person I know, you know? <laughs> pretty much, yeah, I'm pretty much the humblest person. Whatever, but that, that wasn't my mom at all. My mom was someone who did it, and just like it was almost it was like you know that that other nature, and so, um, so like I can be real with people. I don't I I don't have to be something. And I, and the other side of it, it was this: is I you know if you know my past, I came out of a lot of depression and stuff. So I never thought highly of myself, which actually ended up working for me later on. <laughs> Because I, I I mean I just always assumed that if if it went bad, it was probably my fault. You, you know, if, if it didn't work, I probably screwed up. I just assumed that. So I was okay with that. So it was just like, if, if you told me I was losing, I was just like, well, then nothing's new. You know, it's just the way that it is. Now, God has had to take that the other way. You know what I mean? But that, that's helped me a lot because I don't have to be something. I can stand in front of people and be okay with saying, you know what? There's lots of times I'm weak. You know, I, I, I told you this story, uh, or I told you this this weekend, if you heard me, I said it a lot. I, I said, I sent my, or I was talking to my wife, and I was like, you gotta have our prayer team pray for me right now, because this ain't good. I, I don't, I, I mean, I didn't feel like I could do it. I didn't, I'm, I'm being honest, I, the least spiritual I felt was that, the, the, the last few weeks of my life. I mean, honestly, I didn't feel spiritual about it. But see, if I was relying on just all of me, then I, we would have been in a heap of trouble, but it wasn't. I had a p team of people that were praying, praying me uh, through it and, and standing with me. And of course, I know many people, even if they weren't on the a prayer team specifically, that they were. But, you know, and, and this is the thing, you know, like when we come together with faith and, 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 and see the giftings in other people and, 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 and want to utilize and, and help each other, man, the, it's amazing the things that we can, that we can accomplish. But you know, praise the Lord. Was I going to say that out of my flesh, Lord? Or am I going to say, was I going to say that? How do I want to? <clears throat> you know, there's people that will go in, they'll buy a house cheap, and they'll throw some paint on the walls. Uh, clean it up real nice, you know, maybe throw some cheap landscaping in and then turn around and flip it. And the person that comes in afterwards, they see all they see is this nice, this nice, this nice house, you know, uh, they see this thing that's, that, that's been, that, that looks like it's been built really good. Um, but, uh, but uh, the truth is, is when they get in there, they found out the foundation's bad, the, you know, the walls are rotten, there's this and that going on and, and stuff like that. You know, church can be like that too. We can paint it, we can make productions, we can make it look beautiful. But what's happening here? Yeah. What are the people doing? What's going on in the lives of the people? Yeah. You wanna know what's going on in ministry? Start looking at what's going on in the seats. Yeah. Because if, if, if this stuff is all messed up, then this whole thing is a facade. 
This whole thing is a farce. I don't want that. I don't want a church that's like that. And one of the things that, one, one of the other things, the other visuals that the Lord, the Lord deals with me a lot in visuals, I think you know that. But one of the things that he showed me is like a piece of a, or it's like a puzzle. You know, when you have a puzzle, a puzzle, you're putting together a puzzle with lots of pieces. But the pieces don't all fit in the same spot. And sometimes you can make them fit, but the picture just ain't right when you do. You know, we each are a piece of that puzzle. And together we make a big picture. Without all those pieces, it, it isn't a full, a complete picture. And it's not what God wants to do. 